When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. Okay, it's episode 27 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, it's been an incredible number of, uh, it's been an incredible week since we last spoke to you. We're top of the table and um, we are, um, we're flying high on the back of six points. You know, that's what we were looking for the last time we spoke to you. So um, it's a mission accomplished so far. Uh, it's the usual crew with you this evening, recording on Wednesday evening. Uh, Donner's with us. Donner, how are you? Oh, good, Connor. How's the crack? Magoo, how are you? Good, Connor. Yeah. And uh, Jerry, are you are you with us there? I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just Video's checking gone. something here in the background. That's okay. How are things? You're all well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, so another uh, packed show for you. Um, as always, we're brought to you by the White Hack Brewing Company. And um, the other thing that I can't forget, and you must remind me, is um, when we do our our beer giveaway for the harps game as well we'll do our beer scorecast hashtag we'll talk about that a little bit later on so what have we got coming up um obviously we're going to talk about uh, the win against shams uh we've got a great interview that sean and magoo did with um rovers midfield legend richie ryan playing his trade in america for the last number of seasons um, maybe fair to say he got his, his career back on track is that fair to say sean in uh, in the showgrounds definitely yeah yeah and um so we've good, you know, he spoke to him for just under an hour, about 45 minutes. So I think there's no need to kind of edit any of that. And um, it's a great interview there. And um, we've got Harps coming up on Friday. It's the early kickoff at a quarter to six, I think, on Friday. And um, we're also going to finish up the podcast with a little conversation around um, the uh, Europa Conference League, uh, the money that we anticipate or that we hope Rovers are going to get for qualifying uh, and we'll have a little conversation and a chat about who we potentially could be drawn against in the initially qualifying round of that competition. So uh, let's get the ball rolling. Uh, so we, the last podcast, we were looking ahead to the Longford game. It feels like, I mean, I was thinking about it just before we started recording. I'm trying to remember what was the bloody score who scored. It's, it feels like so long ago emotionally. Um, but uh, it was a 2-0 win, a 2-0 win, handy two -nil win in the end. Uh, what stood out for you? Uh, Magoo in that game uh, what uh, I suppose um, I think the, the important thing was we started the game with a slightly different setup a slightly di different starting 11 we'd no Bulger with Lewis Banks playing in midfield beside uh, Morahan how, how did you think that worked out? Mm, um, I thought Banks did okay um, didn't do anything wrong he, he'd done the job he was putting for broke things up um, obviously defensively minded um, good and strong to tackle, obviously, as well. And that so I think it was just it was probably a perfect game for putting testing them out in there, like so playing Longford physical and they just won a battle. So I think it worked out, all things worked out perfect that, 
that way with Bulger missing that game instead of the Shams game and having the likes of Banks to go in there being able because I think he's done that job. I think someone says before once or twice with Stoke, played defensive midfield a few times. So, um, not that this is a custom position. Yeah, has he ever has he ever done that before for us? I don't think he's ever played midfield, has he? I don't think he's ever done it for us, no. Yeah, um, Jerry. Well, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't look a mile out of place, like. Yeah, Jerry. Do you think it was important for um, like because Bulger's been such a dominant player for us since the start of the season? Is it important that we can play the likes of Longford without Bulger, uh, kind of mix things up positionally and win games? Uh, do you think that in um, as the season progresses, we might be able to take Bulger out of the equation from time to time, give him a, a rest, or do you think that's on the agenda at all? Um. Well, I suppose first and foremost, we if that game had happened last season, I don't think we would have won it because uh, we wouldn't have. Now we don't have a, a big squad by any stretch of the imagination, Connor. But at the same time, too, we were, as you say, able to um, not play without Bulger or Collie, who's also injured, who's injured at the time as well. So um, I still think we need. I still think we need uh, a couple of players in in July, a striker and a midfielder, to in order for us to 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 be able to compete in Europe and uh, to maintain the, the title challenge, um, or just be there thereabouts. But yeah, look, it's uh, it was great that he's in fairness to Bucky, he always seems to sign players that are quite versatile, which with a small squad is is really important. Um, yeah, no, I think I think um, that's. That's been proven so far this season, and that's been. Um, I think we need to give the manager credit for that. Um, Sean, I know you spoke about it at length after the Longford game on the after match reception, but uh, it was a really strong performance, and it was great to see um, De Vries come in for that game, start that game, and uh, he stood out, didn't he? Yeah, I thought, yeah, Ryan was really good, so he was his, his touch was back, um, high energy, really good work rate. Um, I was actually I was really impressed with him. So it was I thought he was unlucky then to to not even start against Shams. You know he had he had played that well. So it was the right hand side really suited him. I thought he uh, complimented Jordan Gibson really well. I thought his hold up playing bringing Jordan back into play then as well was really good. Um, you know, it was an all round was an excellent performance. What did he? I think he sixty five minutes. I think he gave us. Yeah, yeah, he came and off he didn't stop arm, working like... for that whole time. Like he was brilliant. Yeah. Um. So, the other, um, the other, <laughs> the other thing that stood out for me for this game, watching it on uh, Watch LOI, um, and also you know it's it sees out the, you know we've won more Watch LOI game left, and uh, we might talk about that later on as well. But obviously, um, Joseph Doe couldn't have been more on the money in relation to Walter. He said <laughs> he needs fifteen minutes to uh, to warm up, Jerry, and uh, on seventeen <laughs> minutes, ping, he's we're, we're a goal up. Yeah, well, look, that's Joey, isn't it? You know, he. Uh... He obviously sees things uh, on and off the pitch that uh, that nobody else does. Yeah. But uh, yeah, such a prediction. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you couldn't make it up. But um, I, 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 I think uh, it was probably maybe a little bit harsh on Walter that it takes him fifteen minutes to get into the game. Um, you know, look. Jerry disagrees with McGoo, with. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, disagrees with McGoo the whole time. That's what <laughs> Most people would say that about me, but anyways. Yeah. Um, what yeah, about look, what about the goal, Jerry? Was it a was it a soft goal? Should the keeper done better? I don't think so. I think he should have. Looking back on it, I, I know at the time um, I was saying that uh, sometimes the camera doesn't keep up with the, the 
how the ball travels. And it kind of took a couple of uh, watch looking back on it. Uh, keeper might be a little bit inside it, but like he is like 40 yards and it skips a couple of times. Skips once anyways, at least. And about 10 or 12 yards in front of him. It wasn't that the ball bounced a yard or two in front of him and made it awkward. It skipped the about... Yeah, it, it, it bounced about 12 yards from him. So, look, as, as if I was a Longford fan, I'd be pretty, pretty disappointed. I'd agree with you there as well, Jerry, because I like that. I think even on the, the AMR that night, I was saying, you know, oh, the keeper, he had no chance. He had no chance. When you watch it back, then he did. Yeah. I think he even gets a touch to it. Yeah. It's really bad goalkeeping. Like, it's a great it's a great well, strike. Yeah. No denying yeah. that, like, but... You know, and he, and he ta- Walter takes his chance when it comes available. Like, but it it is poor keeping. I'd say the Longford manager was going out of his mind with that one. Well, that that's two similar goals that we scored. Uh, Gibson, who who did uh, Gibson put it away against from that similar kind of distance? Shams, Dundalk, Dundalk away, yeah, Dundalk, Dundalk Shams away. at home, and Shams at home. Was that a goal from distance? No, home? Walter Shams at home. Gibson yeah. was away. Oh, well, sorry, I'm on about Walter. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm talking about yeah Gibson's uh, goal against right. the dock. Yeah, but it was a similar type goal and questions over the over the goalkeeping. But like obviously the I lads think given... Gibson's had more. Yeah, Gibson's had more power in it. I think than Walter's one. Yeah. Even. Yeah, no, Gibson's was buried in the corner completely as well. Like yeah. I just. But you, know, but you know what, lads? Right, I know from standing uh, standing on the railway end uh, when when we used to stand there back in the good old days. But uh, the biggest criticism that we always had at Rovers for the last three or four years, will you fucking shoot? Yeah. Yeah. And now we're shooting and it's yeah. paying off. Oh, yeah. 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 We'd be bananas, going bananas. Yeah. And it's such a simple thing as well. Just have a pop. Yeah. Just, you know, it's, it's worth the go. And you see the, you see the benefit. Even you've seen it the, for the draw the game. You know, a shot from distance. Keeper parries it into, into play and Johnny Kenny... Capitalizes on the rebound. Yeah, you don't shoot, yeah. you don't score. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what about the penalty? Um, I, 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 I don't kind of remember much from this. Who wants to? Sean, do you want to go on the penalty? Stone wall. <laughs> uh, Jerry, you're a green. <laughs> no, I was just, I just loved his decisiveness uh, <laughs> there. <laughs> it was, it was. If anyone says different, you're mad in the head. Honest to God, I watched that back three or four times. Ball, ball, ball he watches it. He I'll watches play it come in from the corner. I'll play devil's advocate. It comes, it comes, he's his hands down by his side. They're yeah. not by his side. They're not down by his side. They're, his arm is trailing out. It's a little bit out from his side. And more to the point, he watches the ball. And he can't he can't adjust his body and he can't react quick enough to move out of the way or, or else get a touch on the ball with his with his leg. Some part of him, he just lets it hit hits his hand. It's absolutely chronic defending. It's naive <laughs> stupidity. I'm sorry, no, it's really, really bad. I think genuinely. I think the big one, I think the big one is is like they always say, you look for the player reactions. And I don't yeah. think there was much of a, that much of a protest from the Longford players, was there? No, he knew well oh. what he had done. He knows he messed it up. Yeah. And the the referee's standing right in front of yeah. him, like he couldn't be yeah. have a better view of it. In fairness, the referee had a great position and you know, he was literally five or six yards away from from the player so and with the reaction I think as Magoo said it, you know it, it must have been a penalty yeah it bounces up into his hand like that. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember it I can't remember it uh, well, and I haven't watched it back I didn't but... watch it back but I thought I mean I thought that I thought it was a bit uh, not disagreeing with you don't know but at the time I thought <laughs> that it was um, it was a bit soft it was interesting then so the penalty was given Johnny Kenny wanted to take that penalty didn't he 
Yeah, he did. He was, he was going for the ball there. It was great to like, see, though. There was a bit of a wrestle there. I think yeah. he kind of might have had it in his hands, and I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was a bit of a, an over and back like, you know? Yeah, Kenny was Kenny was the closest man. It was dro- after the the incident, when the ball dropped after it hit the Longford player, and it, it dropped in the area. Kenny was the closest man, and once the referee blew, Kenny picked it up, and he was walking away with this thing under his arm, back to the edge of the box. This is mine. Jordan came over then, and... The wrestling match ensued. <laughs> but I wonder, like the like, there's usually a set, you know, for set piece takers, there's always there's always a list, you know, of players named out. I wonder who's yeah. actually officially on penalties. I said, I said probably Jordan. I said youthful enthusiasm by Johnny there. I said <laughs> maybe if I take it, no one will take it off me. <laughs> but you know what I think happened there in the first place, lads, is that I think we got our first penalty this season, right? And there, I don't think there was a designated penalty taker. And like that, we go a bit of youthful exuberance. Jordan got the ball, scored it, and he's been taking them since. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't be too... Well, I'd like to see what Johnny can do from the spotlight, but Jordan has scored two penalties and they've been completely different in his technique and his finish in them, which is it's really impressive. So it was because the one against Pats was like a little dink. Yeah. And then the one then against Longford is rifled into the top corner. Yeah. yeah. I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed as someone who's got Johnny Kenny backed to be top goal scorer for the league at 25 years. <laughs> dis- disappointed to see um, Gibson take all of them. But I, I absolutely. <laughs> if you were there, you could have dragged, you could have helped Johnny jump over the fence <laughs> and pull the ball off. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I absolutely, I think uh, Gibson is probably top of the pecking order. I don't think there's much question about that, really. Um, and. Um, yeah, listen. What about Longford? Any kind of comments on on Longford at this stage? I mean, they didn't. They they showed they showed their fitness and they got around the place. But I don't know. I mean, we. Could, what else can you say about them? I think they would have. They'd still be there now when they wouldn't have scored. To be honest with you, yeah, um, right. they didn't create a whole pile. A lot of huffing and puffing, running around, making it difficult. But I think as well that you know, look. In fairness, look, they had some good passages to play, but. Was that because, and again, I, like I said at the last, it's not about being cocky or anything like that, but, you know, did we have to exert ourselves that much? I don't think so. And again, we asked for, we were asking for that game to in the build-up. If we had to play someone, they were the team we would have wanted to play. They're the team we would have wanted to play at home going into the Shams game. And it was everything that we wanted it to be in the build-up to the Shams game. Yeah. I yeah, think we had a... another we had another gear or two to go up if we needed to. Yeah, ah, yeah, we were we were in third gear. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, I think across both games, across both wins, um, and across the whole season to date, we're still t- we're still yet to get up into fourth and fifth gears. Really, I think. We stop talking about Longford. Move on to Shams game. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we'll do. No, I think you're, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, we're going to talk. We won't talk about. Um, we won't talk about the Shams game just yet because we're going to do uh, shouts in the shed end uh, and you can get your shouts in after the Harps game. Um, you can email them into podcast at borst.ie. Keep them nice and short, record a voice message, state your name, where you are and um, your thoughts on the Finn Harps game, uh, who stood out for you, um, where there could have been improvements, what was great, what wasn't great and uh, send it into podcast at borst.ie and we'll get it on to uh, the next edition of the podcast. And first up, we've got all the way from uh, Alabama in the States, it's Sean Rourke. This is Sean from America. The uh, Longford game, you know, not a whole lot in it. 
uh, good performance. Took us about 10 minutes to realize we didn't really need Bolger for that game. And then we just cruised through it. Uh, on to Shams. What a performance. The boys put in a shift. And Bolger was amazing. For me, man of the match, Bolger. Uh, but everybody just played great. Romeo with that goal, man, I think he's coming back into form. Hopefully, his touch was better. Uh, what can you say? I mean, they, they never really offered anything. But it was nice to see that um, once we scored the goal, we didn't just sit back. We kept, kept going, kept pressing. And that was nice to see. So, up the Rovers. Well, lads, David McGee, Ballister there, only show from the shed end for the Shams game. Where do you start? What a faultless performance. Everything in terms of attitude, their drive, their hunger, their tactics from Buckley, and everybody to a man, I think, was absolutely faultless. Um, Greg Bulger was the heart and soul of everything good we did in midfield. Moran kept it ticking along nicely. Gary Baracy, sorry, Gary Buckley, was a Rolls Royce. Um, on Monday night, he was just absolutely faultless again. I think John Mahan beside him was excellent, as were the two fullbacks. McGinty didn't have a lot to do, which says a, says a great deal about the whole performance. And I think the creativity and just the drive to go and win and to nullify Daniel Mandrew, the new capped Ireland player, or, or soon to be capped Ireland player, that's the look, because he's, he's living in Greg Bulger's pocket at the moment, I think. Um, as I said, everything was fantastic and look, long may it continue. We're top of the league. We might as well enjoy it while we're here and keep pushing on. Go on to Bitter Red. Uh, shout from the shed, Kiki O'Grady. Um, absolutely delighted with the performance from the other night against the Scum. Um, I thought the back five were immense again. Gary Buckley is a Rolls Royce defender. And I think John Mann is going more and more the more he plays with Buckley and his understanding of the game and I think he's going to be one of the best centre halves if he keeps going the way he's going to play in the league um, I thought Bulger boss midfield more and again 8-9 out of 10 every week he does the simple things he does them very well I thought Jordan was a wee bit off his game but every time he got the ball he worried the Shams defenders um, Walter and Romeo did what they needed to do Romeo had one, had probably two chances. Took one, it won us the game. I think, I think the only thing is we might get him a pair of studs if the pitch is going to be that bad the next time. Uh, on the Friday night, three points, a good performance hopefully, and we'll be top of the league. Four points going into the break. Cheers. Okay, that's a shout from the shed end. Uh, thanks to Sean uh, from Alabama, Sean Rourke. Uh, thanks to Dave McGee and Kiki. Get your shouts in after the Finn Harps game podcast at borst.ie. So, um, okay, so let's move on to uh, Jerry. Let's move on to the Shams game. Um, uh, you know what stood out for What stood out for me is. Um, how you know how lackluster shams were and uh you know as we said just before we finished up it, it's it's almost like we still haven't we still haven't got at the top gear um you know they, they allowed us to have the ball uh, we dominated possession um 
it was it was handy enough kind of win in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and it was probably the most comfortable we have been with a lead closing out the game. Um, so hopefully it's a case of where we are getting better at game management and seeing games out. But also I think it's, as you said there, Connor. I think there was a, a lack of urgency. Oh, I don't know. There seems to be a lack of effort from Shams. Yeah. Um, normally with 15 minutes to go, you throw the kitchen sink at us. You throw everything at it, but they didn't throw anything at us, really. And as the game wore the on... Yeah, as the, as the game wore on, they, they, they got more lacklustre, I thought. Look, in fairness, I was still bricking it for the last 15 minutes because you just never know. Um, but you know what? I, in, in that, I, I wasn't. I wasn't worried at all. I mean, usually, yeah. my heart would be in my mouth. Just like that, they were so lacklustre. Um, every, we just quenched everything. Obviously, we, we talk about... Um, We'll talk about um, the centre half and the defensive performance, but like not zero target, zero shots on target, Magoo. It was um, they, they just offered very little, very little going forward. I mean, so yeah, and then like right. you look at, I think on their bench they might have had three or four players who mm-hmm. never kicked the ball in the Premier League. Um, or the Premier so League. we said every week. Yeah, that doesn't excuse them. No, from, well, we don't. We we, we performance. So go on. Sorry, Magoo. I just because that doesn't excuse their performance from the start <laughs> of the match, though. And Sean said they threw it at Howard very early. Most we have to give ourselves credit there. Like we, we were on top of them. We were like dogs in around the midfield, and our pressing right from the front, and it upset them. I think, and I don't like. I just, they just don't seem to have the belly for the. Didn't have the belly for the fight, did they? There's no. There were no. just a couple of leaders on the pitch, like. I'd say any Shams fan looking at that or even lads in the Shams team looking on and seeing the performance of Bulger, like that is exactly what they were missing with someone like that. Yeah. And that's like I don't I think I think them having young fellas on the bench is is no excuse for or no it shouldn't be used as a reason of why we bet them so comfortably. So I'd right, say you can't make changes, but the first the lads who were picked to set, like they have a new Irish international call up playing there, centre midfield, and they've another your man McCann coming on, and have like yeah. they enough there. Um, Sean, they played three at the back again. Do you think that suits us? Uh, you know, we were the dog did it, we beat them. Gives us gives Gibson and Romeo space. I think it does, Connor, because I think with um, they're looking for the added extra threat down the. <laughs> down the flanks but our full backs are well able to deal with it like even Shams every avenue they tried they struggled against us you know they tried to use Gannon there on the right hand side an awful lot to put put an awful lot of ball down his side but Robbie McCord had him in his back pocket he stayed tight on him he he didn't allow the cross Gannon had to cut back inside every time looking for a pass inside and in the meantime then Bulger or Moorham was covering the ground and making the tackle then inside that's that's how we that's how we got our goal as well because they had three at the back yeah yeah. Um, it was a simple ball down down between two of them and uh, you know there was acres of room for Romo to run into and that's actually that that that, that suits his game well, so yeah. if anything Shams the way they set up suited us down to the ground they played yeah. to our strengths I, want, I wanted to talk about that and I wanted to talk about um, Romeo's goal and just that Jerry that, and I've said it on the podcast yeah. uh, previously you know we've been critical of Romeo um and we're playing a very different style of football um, than that of the season before last when he was here. We were heavily reliant on him on the break with balls that he was running onto. Either himself or Coughlin were, were running onto balls. He's got more 
um, we've got a slower, more methodical build-up, I think, at this this year, mm. which is great. But it means that Romeo's got more players around him when he receives the ball in possession. Um, but for the goal, he had, he was running onto a ball. He he had acres of space, and that's like the finish. The finish was excellent. The finish was top class, and um, and I think that's where he comes into his own. Like you know, you know, you know, eight out of ten strikers across the league, they you know that ball goes into Rose Ed or they panic, but. That's that's where he comes into his own, Jerry. I think that's where that's that's where that's, yeah. that's where you see the best of him. Yeah, Trey stopping him. Like when you when you put a ball into that area and he's got space to run into, there's no stopping him really. Like you know that is his that's his strength. That's his bread and butter. Um, and look, in fairness to him, I don't. And, and as you said there, like you know yourself, most strikers will they'll 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 shank it probably, and it'll go high and wide. But in fairness, he. You know, went near post, kept his head down, yeah. uh, got over the ball and and, and put it away. Um, and he had a lot of time to think about it, you know. Yeah, uh, that's, and that's, that's what I mean. You've got to be, you be, have your wits about you and be confident. Yeah. I think that's what he said. I had a lot of time to think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His head was in my head. Oh. <laughs> but I think it's no... What, what you were saying, Conor, though, I think it's no surprise that it is... is his best, I suppose, apart from Dundalk in the first game, and his best contributions and his best passes to play, the best we've seen from him has been away from home. So it would back up your argument there, right? About, yeah. Uh, but I think we're, as a team, and with the players we have, we're sort of better away from home anyway, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's our first win in, in Tana since 2013, I think. Um, yeah. Just was that John Dillon? Was that that game? Where he takes the, the shirt off? Is that him? Yeah. That goal? Uh, no, it's not. It's, no. Um, Stanley, it's Danny Norcott's the winner in, in the last one we've in Tala. Okay. Just on Fair that enough. goal as well, lads. I, I think Jordan Gibson has to get an awful lot of credit as well. I don't think yeah, he's getting enough ball. credit for the assist. Um, what he does there is, is quality. He takes the he makes the beeline. He takes the run and he's, go, he's heading out left. He takes, I think, three Shams players with him on his right peg, and then he just plays the assist on his left. He cuts it back completely. He just cuts it all open altogether. And Brads that's are, Romeo running through. Bradford thought it was a very soft goal. Would you agree with him? It's a very, very poor goal to give away. Very poor it's amazing well, how every goal against Shams is poor, isn't it? It was a great assist, but it was poor defending in the terms that was it Lee Grace who doesn't get out on time? He's dilly-dallying. So what's, that's not our problem. Like, you know, it's not yeah. a... Po- it's not a poor goal as such because... But sure, he was a mile Mark offside. Romeo was a mile offside. Ah, he was at least five yards. <laughs> but like, ten. the work, the ten, work that goes into that goal, it's not a poor goal. Like, Jordan Gibson does exceptional for it and has a, has a brilliant assist. And then as you already talked about, Romeo has to do so much work then. After and that. in fairness, they were probably... Uh, this isn't a question, right? But they were probably our two quietest players. In, yeah. But they still had the quality... To open up the Shams defense and they still had the quality to put away, you know, what which is a difficult opportunity. Like he had a long way to run with the ball and keep his head and get it on target. So I suppose what we're saying about still being in still like another gear or two to go, definitely. Uh, and it's great that the likes of Jordan Gibson, you know, and, and I said it the other day, is that like he sets such high standards for himself, right? That we consider that a quiet game. But um, he was still, still when he got the ball, he still produced the quality. Yeah. So yeah, and, Ro- and Ro- same, same for Romeo. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Does, and I'd know, say in terms, in terms of a quiet game, 
you'd say a quiet game on the ball, but actually off the ball, they worked really, really hard and yeah. put in a serious shift in terms oh, of their pressing yeah. and yeah. chasing down and stuff. You know, just so, to go back to that's been ultra critical, really, by me. Just no, it's it's not. It's a perfect observation of what happened. Like we weren't. Like, let's be honest, what did we have? That's our only shot in target, wasn't it? Uh, I don't remember Manus making any other major saves. So, I think there was one or two others, but they weren't like... Uh, there might be one or two down his, down his throat. Down there? his throat, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just the Gibson effort that hit the back stanchion, like, but... Um, Brendan Fitzsimons on uh, Twitter, uh, Fitzel, at Fitzel Sligo, I think, is, uh, is Brendan's... Yeah. Um, Twitter handle, but he says uh, Rovers record when Romeo scores. Uh, oh, I've seen that, yeah. It's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, so Romeo scored uh, in his two spells with the club. He scored 13 goals, uh, of which uh, we have won 10 when he scored. We've drawn two and um, we've lost one. He also needs to score off. more. <laughs> <laughs> he also had off Connor. Did you see his? his he had uh, our record when Buckley and Mahan played together. Okay, man, play together. Yeah, you have that yeah. in front of you. Know? So he says, um, and I can only, I can only presume that um, Fitzo is uh, on the money here. Um, but he says so. Yeah, and we'll talk about um, you know uh, Dave McGee mentions Gary Buckley in his shouts to Shenad, and he absolutely deserves a bit of conversation around his performance. But uh, John Mahan and Buckley playing together, they've played in fifteen games in the league, and uh, they've had uh, seven clean sheets and two defeats in that time. So, would you give Gary Buckley a man of the match ahead of uh, our goal scorer, Romeo Parks and Tala? Magoo? Well, I'd, I'd give it to him ahead of Romeo, but I wouldn't give it to him ahead of Bulger. Bulger okay. would be my man of the match. And that's no slight on Buckley, because I think Buckley is just, he's a joy to watch play in centre half. Like, he literally, he's playing with the fag in about, like, He's <laughs> just—he's unbelievable. Like his reading of the game, and like I was saying the other day, the the, the Graham Taylor quote that good defenders don't need to tackle. But that's not to say that Buckley doesn't tackle. He does tackle. He's well able to tackle, but he's he's never he's never going to ground and latch uh, uh, for desperate challenges or making last ditch attempts. He reads it so well. He's always there first. Yeah. He's just so—it's just a joy to watch. And himself and Man are without question the best partnership. Uh, centre half partnership in the league, and that's without a question. Yeah. Nobody, well, it's, it's officially come near them. It's officially the best partnership. It's the best back four in the league. We've conceded the least goals. Yeah, yeah. I think like, what you're saying on, that's, on Buckley's that's what, ability. That's what that's what winning title uh, winners are built on, Sean. Well, that's exactly it. You won't hear anyone say any different. But like, even to like when you're talking about Buckley tackling and that, like it's emphasized that tackle in the first half on Mandrew in the box where he wins the ball clean as day, but sends Mandrew flying to the ground as well. Like they're screaming yeah. for a penalty, but not in a million years. He just times it so well, like in yeah. a crowded box in a panicky kind of situation. He's just, he's so calm. Yeah. Um, I, I, John Mahan as well, though, lads, uh, oh, you know, like he's after yeah, coming back from a serious uh, injury and, um, I think he's come back a better player. I know that sounds... I remember remember the day uh, I heard um, about the injury. You know, uh, the under Marble under-12s were up in Cleaver playing a, um, a league game, whatever, and one of the lads came over and said, like, we're now nearly crying on the sideline, honest to God. And uh, to 
go from that devastation to being a partnership, uh, the best centre-back uh, partnership in the country. And look, you know, I think it's only a matter of time uh, um, before something, someone comes in for John from, from abroad, like, you know, um, such. So it's like as a, a fellow Sligo man, and we're all Sligo men, and, or Leitrim or Mayo or wherever we're from, but like he's one of our own and really, really proud of him, uh, you know, and we're talking about Bulger and um, Buckley. and Buckley, but John Mann for me, just yeah. all Jerry, Jerry, he was absolute, absolutely outstanding the other night. Like, I mean, outstanding. Nothing got by him. And I think, like, you look at the plaudits that have gone the way of scales this year. Yeah. As a young centre half. Stop, will you? <laughs> like, that's, but that's Jesus. what you look at right look at the plaudits have gone his way and John Martin hasn't got nothing like that recognition and he's been far better than him yeah well you know just on that kind of topic you know um, there was another 21 team announced there uh, and you know there's, I suppose should we have seen a couple of Rovers lads in there is what I'm asking really in simple terms Moran's eligible isn't he I think more. Yeah, I think Nile is the only one that is eligible. And John Kenny, obviously, Johnny Kenny. I know a bit yeah, of a stretch, uh, maybe a bit of a stretch. No. Well, he's not even in the under 18s is he? And not that I know of. Is he not invited to the under? Is he not up on in an invitational or something? I thought I read sure. that. No, somewhere. that's other young lads. That's that's under 16s or something. Right. But um, well, like Danny Manjun was in the the the, the first team squad. That's and, a joke. And Moran can't even get in the under 21s. Yeah. So like. I mean, Danny Mandrew did wasn't allowed to do anything in 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 Tala the other day. I mean, he he was just he. I mean, across the board for the Shams team, there was nobody who was doing anything. We kept him down to. I, I suppose just going back quickly on the um, no, I'm changing the topic again. Just back, onto the back four, the whole the whole back four, and what our back five or back six, if you're interchanging banks with um, Morgan, they're all they're all very calm. They're all, you don't see these rash tackles. There's no need for scrambling at the moment. They're very, the whole lot of them are so good. And McGill, as you said, this is it's the foundation that you need to challenge for, for a competition. So, so, so more of it. Uh, just on, before we finish, just sorry, just when you were speaking about Nile there, um, in relation to call-ups for the squads and stuff, I think the last week has been a big week for Nile too. Um, like he's always spoke at in terms of potential, and you know he can win there beside beside Greg, and he can learn 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 his way his trade, and you know learn off Greg, and he can like obviously every day when in football you want to learn and improve himself. But I think the last week with the game against Longford on Friday, where he had to marshal the Central Park on his own without Greg with him. And I thought he was very good against Stanford, but then I think he stepped it up even more against against Shams. And I think now he, 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 you're starting to look at him as rather than just one of the young lads who have potential. When it comes to a big game, you're going to be looking at Nile as one of the lads to step it up in the big game. Because I think he did against Shams, and I think he can carry that on going forward out for the rest of the season. I think that could be a little watershed moment for him, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. I, uh, I second that, and uh, hope that he... Um... He continues to build and becomes more of a, I suppose, a kind of a presence in our midfield, not relying on other big names. Uh, any other points we want to touch on for the, the Shams game? Uh, Ed McGinty's domination of the box yes. for corners. Yeah. Just, just, can't speak highly enough of the fella. Yeah. You know, you could go through every, each and every player there from the Shams game because each and every one of them was excellent. They all put in a shift. 
So they did. And it wasn't just a, a dogged performance, you know, where we hung on, we dominated the game, we controlled the tempo yeah. of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was great. And he's, he's kind of grown into the season, isn't he? He's um, those iffy moments he might have had towards the start of the season, you'd seen less and less of them. Um, although, you know, he's a goalkeeper, it's going to happen. But he was brilliant in Tala. And like when he cleaned out uh, McCourt, was it McCourt? He clattered. Um, but that's what you're dealing with. He's, yeah. I can't remember who I heard saying it on the radio recently, but you know, if you're a centre half, I don't know who it was, it said, I want my keeper to come from ever come for everything. Just come for everything. And if you make a mistake or if you get caught out or you come into contact and you miss the ball, do you know who said this though? You're quoting a fan favourite of Sligo Rover, Stewie Byrne. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a stupid thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, yeah. uh, to be honest, I was I was nodding my head in agreement with him as well when I was listening to it. Though he's right. Yeah, but that I mean that's, yeah. that's well, in what... fairness, it's 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 bravery from Ed, like not just bravery, you know, coming out physically, but like mentally for for a lad who dropped one or two even in preseason. Remember, he was dropped. He had a few fumbles and stuff like that in preseason. But he's made a decision and he's obviously getting backed by his manager as well, who uh, trusts him to do it, to come for every cross. He's coming for every cross. As I said from the first first week, and I said it, I I don't know, about five or six times that he is the best keeper in the league. And I don't care what anybody says. And he's actually, he's winning us games. Like he made. That Shamrock Rovers, like I know Shams has no shots in target, right? Um, but he absolutely dominated his box, right? And he's come for things that, yeah, look simple, but it takes one ball to be dropped and he's a fucking asshole. But he keeps coming, he keeps dominating, he keeps clearing players out of his way. His distribution is come on leaps and bounds. Uh, you know, his his throwouts, his kickouts, everything. Yeah. No, no, like, you know, so. I think I think at this stage we're saying nearly saying the same thing every week about him, and I think it's there's enough said he's the best keeper in the league, and I wouldn't change it for everyone. And people talk about Alan Manson so like that. Not a hope. Like no. the man is so 37, have, 38. Good luck. He's on the way out. Like you, Harry he, all after, he, all, he all laughed at me when he says that we'd be um, in the title race. You were all laughing at me, and it's, what are you on about Magoo? You're simpleton. Nobody uh, says that. Nobody laughed. Go ahead, you, I you, 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 I you not to you your face, Magoo. You not to your face. You were the first one. Yeah, you know. We sit on I says, I says, I won't put that expectation guy. on us, and I still don't put that ex- expectation on us. So, so, oh, so. Stop. look, so we've the best keeper in the league, the best keeper in the league, we've the best center half partnership in the league, we yeah. have the best center midfielder in the league, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. We have, one of, we have one of the best left, we have one of the best left backs in the league, if not the best one. We have, if you pick, if you pick the top five right backs in the league, we have two of them. Uh, and I say we have. And Jordan Gibson, you know, somebody who's probably player of the year so far in the league. Maybe a man, James Brown from Toronto, might have a question, but he's definitely up there. So, but it's goals, if you put our whole forward unit together, Jerry, though, it's as, it's as dangerous as everybody else. If you throw mm. them all in the mix, Jordan, Rowe, we haven't clicked Ryan, there yet, so that's why I'd still Water, be keep, back. No, keep we the expectation but, down and fly under the radar. No. No, I think now is the time to step it up, Sean. We We're only 13 games in. We're only 13 games in. And start revving it up. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> so Magoo, is, this, uh, is the mid-season break after the Harps game coming at the wrong time for us? Uh, yeah, probably. 
<laughs> you won't get bet by Harris now, that's all that. But, uh, no, 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 no. Wouldn't be the first time. It depends. It could go. It could go. Um, it could go either way, Connor. You know what I mean? We have a small squad, like so, and there's Talk a lot of injuries. games in short, injuries. in short spaces. In short spaces, of time, like so, like. A but people talk about good. the mid-season break as if it's like a month. It's yeah. only one weekend. It's only two weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like we had that there against Waterford. It's the same thing. So I would mean like when people say about mid-season break, it's only one weekend really, and you know. It, it, I, it's not a big massive gap. We've we've already overcome something like that. It didn't affect us. I don't think it'll. It might help other clubs. It'll work more than, that, than us. I mean, sorry, but you know, at the end of the day, if you're injured, you're injured, and one weekend's not going to make a hell of a lot of difference. So, I think well, it helps us. Well, get recharged a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it helps. Look, when you look at the likes of Bulger and. <laughs> Um, Gary Buckley even you know that's kind of suffered with groin injuries and muscle yeah. pain injuries like that yeah. it's good to give them a week off listen when yeah. you've got a small squad I think when you can get when you can get a recovery time I think it's, it's going to play it's going to suit us absolutely and even, get this, and even get like it gives you an opportunity as well to get to get Kane and Cawley back up to fitness as well yeah and yeah. get them back in the match day squads as well and that's important to us you that's know, you, need as many, you need as many bodies as possible yeah yeah Europe um, coming up as well, like well, yeah. When when does the window open? <laughs> when might we see some fresh faces coming in? Is that is that in July? When's that? That's July, yeah. Like, but normally you'd have them in a couple of weeks. You'd, you'd expect if there's new players coming in, they'd usually be in the second week of June. Right. Okay. Okay. So no one, no one Buckley, he'll have his all his ducks in a row anyway. So he will. He's yeah. You know. Well, you said already, scared. Jerry. You said already a midfielder and a striker. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think we need a different type. Like going back to what you were saying, Connor, about how our play is different now than it was previously. So I think we need a player that can play with his back to goal, hold the ball up, and bring the midfield into play. With Romeo, he's probably again he's probably more suited to when we're playing away uh, against maybe like a back three where balls are played and the channel he can run onto. But we need another option. And look, Johnny is is exceptional. Um, there's no doubt in that whatsoever, but he's still only 17. And I don't know one about age, but we need a third person that can play up top. I don't think De Vries is that type of player, to be honest. I think he looks good on the right. He looks good in the 10, same with Walter, same with Gibson. But we only have two out-and-out centre-forwards. Both of them are very similar. I think we need a player that can hold the ball up, link the play more, and, and build from there. Leonard, quickly, what do you think we need? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I'd like an experienced striker to come in as well. So I would, someone that can even give you the ability to play with a two up top. You know, that Johnny or Romeo could play off them as well. Like, like that, to say, in the same mold that, that Jerry's talking about there. Someone who can hold it up. Bit of a fox in the box, maybe. Yeah, hold it you up know? and spin and get in in the six-yard box. Yeah, and then very, a, and definitely in, a, a midfielder as well. Find Oh, very hard. Yeah, we looked at him. What's the man's name? He's not, he's not getting game to get one. Just not, there's not even a striker in the league at the minute. Nobody has yeah. a striker. So I don't league. think our signings come from within the league anyway. I think. No, but I mean, like, obviously, other, yeah. all clubs would have been looking. And nobody said, like, you remember years ago when we we had Quigley, North, I think, Pass at Fagan, Shams at Gary Twig. Everybody had a. Top striker. What you call a natural number nine. Yeah, but 50%, 50%, of, 50 of the players you mentioned there, right? Came from outside the league and they never played in the league before. Do you know what I mean? Likes to likes a twig no, and I'm not saying that, but I, 
I know I'm saying, but I'm saying everybody would, would have been, I would imagine, okay, looking for been. that at the start of the season, and nobody yeah. actually got one. So I would imagine that everywhere at the minute would probably hold us. Well, yeah, you could get a, a, you could get a fella from like say, like from from say like Gibson, right? I know Pat's had him last season for just a few games. Now you could get a fella like him from Bradford City that might be getting necessary luck in there, but you know he might get a new lease of life in say the League of Ireland. Uh, there's always kind of players that come from left field, pardon the pun, but they're, def- they're definitely out there. And, and July is, June, July is the best time because everybody's releasing players. Yeah. You look at Sky Sports for the next month and the bottom of the screen is just be throwing players out left, right, center. There has to be yeah. one or two there. And the likes of Dave Campbell, in fairness, look, he's done brilliant business for us over the, the last few years. Huh? He's watching Sky Sports all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want some mad Serbian or something brought in. So one of these mad signings. That's what I want brought in. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about a mad Serbian now. I think maybe uh, something a little bit closer to home. Um, you know, a little, a little culture shock is possible, I think, you know. Um, uh, some mad signing now that you're just totally a left field signing. Like you, maybe you might get your man in from Nigeria. What was his name? Oh, yeah. Oh, Brendan Ogbu. Brendan. <laughs> Come on, Brendan. <laughs> right, okay, listen, uh, we're, we're pushing on now. Um, it's time for uh, Sean and Magoo's conversation with uh, Rovers' former midfield maestro, now playing his trade with uh, El, pa- El Paso Locomotive. Locomotive El Paso? No, it's El Paso Locomotive, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Richie Ryan. So, uh, Sean, you spoke to him here for about uh, 40 minutes, half an hour. Yeah, 40 minutes. So, uh, can you remember what your first question was to him? Just about his um, signing with Sunderland, his experiences going over to Sunderland, how he felt about that. And, Jesus, little did we know that the amount of clubs that were in for him at the time, I didn't realise. And all the top clubs in England, United, Liverpool, I think Everton was there, wasn't it, Magoo? Yeah, Man City. Man City. He spoke yeah. at Everton, I think. It, was, it came down between, was it? Oh, no, it was Spurs. Spurs, but yeah, Spurs and Sunderland they came down to. Yeah, and it was the Irish lads in Sunderland uh, that kind of uh, made the decision for him. I didn't make the decision for him, but he wanted to join up with them, uh, the fellow Irish cohort there. Okay, so uh, here is Richie Ryan, uh, on the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. It, w- it was all I ever wanted, Sean. Um, from, I-, I moved to play for Belvedere School Bike Club in Dublin when I was 12 until I was 16. And I don't know, from, from 13, I suppose, was the first time I went over to Everton for a trial. And, and then they started to come thick and fast going over to clubs every school break, every weekend. Um, so it was something that was it was nestled in my mind very early that I, I wanted to make a go of things. And then Sunderland was just the, the place where I felt at home, I suppose. So was there other options on the table around then? Yeah, um, I probably a few, a few bigger clubs, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Tottenham. They were probably the, they were, they were the main ones. And then I, I'd narrowed it down to, to Tottenham and Sunderland. And yeah, I suppose they, the main reason for me going to Sunderland was there was there was a busload of young Irish lads in Sunderland before me, Mark Rossiter being one from Sligo. Um, Rossi and, and a few of the older lads, they were a couple of years older than me and I knew I'd fit, I'd fit in as soon as I got over there. And they, they'd, all, they'd all been through what I, was, what I was about to go through. So I knew, I knew I'd have plenty of help in adapting to being away from home. That was at a time as well in Sunderland. There was a huge Irish connection even in the first team at that point, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Big Niall Quinn was there. Um, 
Jason McAteer, Kev Kilban, um, trying to think who else, Tommy Butler. Uh, yeah, there, there was a big, a big connection with Irish players, and the club was, the club was going through a really, a really good time at that stage as well in the Premier League. I think the season before I went there, they'd finished fifth or sixth in the Premier League. Um, didn't last long, but um, no. yeah, it, it was it was a good club to go to. It's obviously a massive, massive club with a huge fan base, and obviously sad, sad to see where they are now. But and your rise was quick enough to the first team as well, wasn't it? Uh, probably too quick, Sean. I wasn't ready for it. I don't think. Um, yeah, the, the end of the second season was was when I got brought into the first team with with Mick McCarthy uh, towards the end of the season and got a chance to to play in the in the derby game against Newcastle. What's that like, Dorothy? Mental. Mental. Uh, can, can you describe it? No, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't think. I didn't understand what was happening at the time. Like it was just, it was all a bit of a blur because it happened so quick. It, I played a reserve game on a Thursday night, trained with the under 19s on the Friday morning. I was supposed to fly back to Ireland for the the FAI awards that weekend. On the on the Friday night, I was supposed to fly back, and then uh, Jockey Scott, the reserve team manager, came down and said, "Look, uh, the manager wants to see you up in the on the first team side. You're involved with the first team tomorrow." And I was like, nah, you're lying to me, Jockey. Don't be taking, don't be taking a mick out of me. Um, so he took me down and I was walking through the doors into the first team side of the training ground and Michael Gray, who was club captain at the time, he was walking out and he congratulated me as I was walking in the door and I thought, oh, fuck, it's actually happening. Like, your, heart just, your heart just started racing. And then I spoke to, spoke to Mick and he was like, look, I want you there tomorrow. Be there for half one. Make sure you're dress smart, get yourself a suit, whatever. So I, I didn't have a suit. I was 18 years of age. I had to go into town, run into town that day, get a suit for the day after. And yeah, the, the thing that probably disappointed me most about was I didn't even have a chance to, to get my family over for it. Yeah. Because um, I, I know that they would have loved to, to have been there. So um, yeah, and then the game itself, I came on in the second half and like you, you can just hear a wave of noise. You have no idea what the fans are screaming or singing or anything it's just what am I doing here <laughs> that type you know of thing what? what's that initial how long did you get off for I think it was about 20 minutes Miguel that's not a that's not a talking gesture that's a you know you're coming on for a pivotal time of the game like yeah we we're 1-0 down and I, Mick probably thought I could have found a pass or something but wasn't wasn't meant to be um yeah it was a, it was obviously a nice gesture for Mick to, to put me on in such a big game and it, it showed that he has showed that he had belief in me and a lot of trust in me to put put me on in the big game. And how did things go after that then with them, Richie? Downhill real quick, Sean. <laughs> um no, I did actually when when I made my debut I had an injury, but the physio I'd spoken to the physio who I was good friends with, and he'd said, Look, you We've got three games left in the season. You've got a chance to, to sort of get yourself in the door with the first team. What do you want to do? And obviously when somebody says that to you, you have a chance to make an impact. You're not going to say, no, my hip is sore. I can't get through it. Just take a few painkillers and you get through whatever you can. Um, so that's what I've done for the last few weeks. And I was on the bench the following week against Aston Villa, which I was supposed to actually start the game. And I had the worst training session of my life on the Friday morning. I literally couldn't make a five-yard pass. And Mick pulled me after. He was like, 
I was going to start it tomorrow, but you look a bit nervous or whatever. And I'm like, I have no idea what's just happened, Gaffer. Um, and do you think it was nervous, Richie? Oh, it was, Sean, yeah, because we'd done pattern of play and he'd set out to start an 11 and it basically just fucking, I just shit myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just kept giving the ball away and he obviously thought I wasn't ready then or whatever, but he had me on the bench. I didn't get on against Villa. We were away to Villa. Um, and then the following week, we were at home to Arsenal and he, he played me, I came on a half time for Sean Thornton. Um, so I played the second half against Arsenal and then obviously came, came back pre-season he promoted me to the first team full time so I, I was just training with the first team as soon as I got back to, to pre-season and then we came to we came to America for a week 10 days had a couple of games over here went back and I slipped one day in training and I just felt my hip again and I knew I knew there was something there was something wrong so I ended up seeing, I seen a specialist in Leeds. He'd done surgery on my hip. I was out for two and a half months. Came back, same again, felt the same pain. And ended up going to see a, spe- a specialist down in Cambridge who'd operated on uh, Roy Keane, uh, Robert Perez, Freddie Lundberg, the top hip specialist. And he was like, look, you've got a, you've got a piece of bone grown off your hip, so... And it, it was quite big. Every time you're twisting and turning, you could feel a pinch. So I had to I had to go and have surgery with him. So I ended up missing nine to ten months. Jesus. And that that was the end of me really at Sunderland. Not because of the injury for nine to ten months, but during that nine to ten months, I didn't I didn't apply myself to to being a professional the way I should have. Um. But Richie, in a time like that, there you know you're only a young lad over from Ireland. You know catapulted into the first team setup really how were the senior pros with you then you know because you do hear an awful lot about young lads getting injured and that and just saying how it's a, lo- a really lonely place like but how, yeah. were, how were the senior pros with you did they help you through that you know were they ed- edging you on or what I probably ended up out having nights out with them more than what they were giving <laughs> me advice in the training ground to be honest Sean um, and that's that's the truth of it really um, yeah it was sort of every man from himself and then it, like I said I, w- I was doing the wrong things I was probably going out too much and the time I was spending with the first team players was was on a night out rather than asking them for advice around the training pitch and or the training ground to, to see what I should be doing for rehab um, so that, that was that was a learning experience for myself and tell it you know just when you're coming back from injury what's the story is that do you know your pathway is now blocked or and you're looking for a move or you're trying to get back in there or what? No, um, the conversations I had with Mick were always very honest and, and he always said to me, look, just get your head down, keep working hard, get yourself back fit and you never know what can happen. And towards the end of that season, when I got back fit, it was the end of April or something, there was three weeks left in the season, a month. And we had uh, under 20 qualifiers with Ireland, European qualifiers coming up. And um, Sean McCafferty was the Irish manager at the time. And he, he wanted me in the squad. So he, he'd spoken with Mick. And Mick said, yeah, I'll pull him in. If he's fit and he wants to go, then he can go by all means. So Mick said to me, look, do you want to go? And of course, I wanted to go and play for Ireland. So I went and, and Mick had said to me, make sure you come back fit in pre-season. Um, so I did. And I, I went away and I, I trained the hardest I've probably trained in my 
in my career. I was training four or five nights a week with a boxer, just doing running just to get as fit as I possibly could. And I think Mick wasn't expecting it. And when I went back to preseason, he brought in a couple of midfielders, Jeff Whitley, Carl Robinson, that were obviously ahead of me in the pecking order. And me, me coming back as fit as I did, it didn't, it didn't even make an impact on the on Mick's decision at the time. So I sat there and played reserve team football for a couple of years before going out on loan to or a couple of months, sorry, before going out on loan to Scunthorpe. It's it's after Scunthorpe, then you you go to Royal Antwerp, isn't it? Am I right in saying it's right? Uh, well, it might as well have been Sean. I spent I spent one season at Boston United in League Two, but All right. that was that was a waste of uh, that was a waste of time for me and for Boston. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's a it's a year that gets forgotten about quite easily. Um, well, what led to that? How did Boston come about? Uh, it was um, they were in League Two at the time, and they made some big signings. Like Paul Gascoigne was there, um, Noel Whelan, a few older players, Julian Georgian. They uh, Gaza and Noel Whelan were there. The year before I went there, and, and Julian Georgian was there when I was there. Um, he must have been a good age then. He was, he was still lightning fast though. Um, yeah, and Steve Evans was the manager, and he just contacted my agent at the time and said he wanted to bring me in from Scunthorpe. And it, I had a conversation with him, with the conversation went really well at the start, and signed a two year deal with them. And I thought everything was going to be rosy until. I was there for about three days and he told me never to get the ball off the goalkeeper at his club again. So that was the the right the writing on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Did he not know who you'd signed or (laughs) well that's that was my argument back to him. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great start and it wasn't a great finish at that club either. So um not not much happened in that year that, that would be worth talking about. And how does the move to Belgium come about? Because that's a that's an odd one. Yeah, you would think so. You would think it's an odd one, but football so football's just a small world, I suppose. Um, the old chief executive from Sunderland contacted me in the January when I was at Boston and he'd seen I wasn't playing. Um, asked me what the situation was. I said, oh, the manager thinks I'm a five-a-side player, so he doesn't want to play me. Um, and he said, well, look, the, the manager at Royal Antwerp is Warren Joyce, who was the old... Leeds United Academy manager when I was at Sunderland. So he, he was obviously familiar with me from that time. And um, he said he, he wants to take you over. So I had a conversation with Boston in the January and the manager wouldn't let me leave, which which I was obviously not very happy with. Um, and then they, at the end of the season, Boston had got relegated and they told all their players that they were free to leave. So... I contacted I contacted Mark Blackburn again and, and asked him to give Joyce a call and see if the, the move was still available and he was still interested. So I was quite happy to jump at the jump at the opportunity to go and play abroad, to be honest, Sean. It was something that excited me to to go and see how football was played somewhere else and and go and enjoy the culture of living somewhere else, really. And with the Belgium style of football as well, Rich, you'd be a more technical style, so it would have suited you an awful lot better. It was, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot more. It sort of made me fall back in love with the game after being in the lower leagues of England and having an experience like I'd had at Boston um, where you could you could follow a love of football really easily. Uh, so 
it was nice to go over there and experience different style of football, different way of working under under someone like Warren. Um, so yeah, it was enjoyable. And Sean Doherty, former Sligo player as well, Sean was out there with me as well. So, um, and that's that that was how I got back to Sligo. Is oh, is that how the link came? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so tell us, tell us, yeah, tell us what happened there. Yeah, so Sean, me, Sean, and uh, another Northern Irish player, Henry McStay, moved out to Belgium. And Sean and Henry lasted half a season over there, and, and Sean got the opportunity to go to Sligo with Cookie. I think Cookie was was quite good friends with, with Sean's dad, Mick. Um, and me and Sean obviously kept in touch, and when it came to the end of the season, I, I knew I wasn't going to be staying in Belgium. Um, Sean contacted me and said, Cookie, Cookie's interested in you. Would you would you have any interest in coming back? So then came back and had a conversation with Cookie, and you know you know it's like when you have a conversation with Cookie, there's only one winner. So, <laughs> and what was your first impression of the place when you came over, Reggie? I had I had no expectations. I, I'll be honest, I, I hadn't followed I hadn't followed the Irish League um, when I was away, and I think I'll be honest in saying my 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 target was never to, to come back and play in Ireland. But I think the way, the, way my, the way my career had played out to then, it was the best option for me to come back and, and try and revive my career because it sort of gone downhill fairly rapidly from Sunderland. So I had to, I had to make a decision and, and I felt that Sligo was the best decision for me. Was there any other League of Ireland clubs in Fiorici at that stage? Uh, I don't think so, Sean, no. I, I didn't have any conversations obviously with, with with knowing Sean and Sean being able to put me in direct contact with Cookie and speaking with Cookie then I know I, I laughed about Cookie winning any conversation but he, as we all know he's a very infectious character so when I had a conversation with him and, and I knew what his plan was then I didn't really want to I didn't want to try and have a conversation with anyone else and Richie, just like in regards to coming back then, I don't want to make it sound bad on your behalf, but was there any... Uh, almost... I'll, be honest, I'll be honest with you, Sean. You can, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> but was there any like almost snobbery on your behalf, thinking, you know, oh, Jesus, I'm coming back into the League of Ireland, like this isn't how it was meant to pan out as such? You A know? little bit, yeah. And thinking that the league is shit standard, whatever, you know, just I not think taking I, it as seriously as was... maybe... You showed yeah, us was a bit more. Was it a bit more agricultural than the than the Belgium league? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'd say on my behalf, definitely. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I'd done my homework as as well as what I should have, and I, I learned quickly. I learned quickly because it, I think one of the first games I played was against Cork City, and Cork City at that time were were a top team. You know, Colin Healy, Joe Gamble. Um, Dave Mooney was playing up front. They had top players all over the field, and I realised quickly that if I if I want to if I want to make an impact here, then I, I'm going to have to sharpen my tools a little bit and, and and take it serious. And we know you definitely enjoyed yourself off the pitch during that time, anyway, because uh, <laughs> standing uh, beside standing beside you many a time with a barber. <laughs> it, it took me about a year and a half to start taking it seriously. I think. What was the light switch moment, Richie? Um, a lot of people probably don't know it, Sean. Um, I had, after the cup final in 2009, 
we had uh, exit meetings with the club the following week. I think we, we'd probably just stopped partying the night before. Um, and I, I, went to, I went to the Clarion Hotel to have a conversation with Dermot Kelly and, and Mary McGowan and a couple of, couple of more people, a couple of more people off the, off the committee. And they, Dermot Kelly just told me the truth, basically, and, and told me how he felt about me as a player and, and as a person. Um, and he offered, me, he offered me a new contract, which was €100 Euros a week. And to, and to live in and to live back home in Tipperary and to travel up for training once or twice a week. Jesus. So that was look at that time when Dermot and everybody else backed them up in the room. I I, I was obviously angry and annoyed and pissed off with everybody because I I didn't believe it was true, but yeah. I went away and I needed to have a look at myself and I did have a look at myself and, and to be honest with you, it was the best, it was the best conversation that I ever had. And it was the, the most direct conversation and probably the most brutally honest conversation somebody's ever had with me. But it was, it was something that made me realize if I, if I don't, if I don't pull my finger out, then I'm not going to reach the, the standards that I should reach with the ability that I have. And was there anyone to lean on then, Richie, in that time? Or was it kind of just a, a sit alone with yourself and kind of have a word with yourself? Or was there someone else there to say to you, you know, Richie, come on, you, you, you know, you no. have the ability to make it work. Like, it's just about getting ahead. No, down. it was uh, it was something I took upon myself, Sean. Um, I, I didn't really speak to any of the boys on the team about it. Um, I'd had a conversation with Cookie and he said, look, I, I'll speak to them and, and see, see if we can get a better offer for you or whatever. And then... I got an offer. I got a better offer from from Galway United at the time, but it was just it, it was the I I I just wanted to prove people wrong then, and that's that's why I I signed back for Sligo for less money than what Galway were offering me me offer me, because I I didn't give a shit about the money then. I was like, okay, you want to doubt me? I'm going to prove you wrong. Um, so that that was my. That was my ambition going into 2010 was to make sure I came back fit as a fiddle in pre-season and just to, to prove Dermot Kelly wrong, to prove the committee wrong and, and to show them that you actually have a decent player here. And Jesus, you didn't have show everyone. Like, you lit up the league that season. So you did. there's no ways about that. Like, But there was only, it, it wasn't, it was never Dermot Kelly's fault for having that conversation. He was just telling me the truth. It, it, it was my own fault that I hadn't realised it sooner. Um, and, and the more the f- obviously I came back fitter in pre-season and we started the season well and the more I started to have an influence on games the more I started to think well I need to keep doing things like this I need to keep going with the way I'm, I'm living my life basically um, you know, we, st- we still had our nights out on the weekends don't get me wrong but um, Monday, Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday night in the showgrounds we dedicated ourselves as a team to to train hard every day together and, and to, to be the best we could be. But I suppose at the time, Richie, as well, the attitude in the dressing room was changing. As, you know, it was becoming more was, professional. Yeah. And like the, you could even see if, as fans watching on, like the lads were, were getting their head down that wee bit more. You knew you were onto something. Yeah, we, we did. And 
Cookie was very good. Cookie had obviously brought a, a core group of players together and, and some of the boys have been there for a number of years, the likes of Piersy and Danny and players like that. And Cookie added one or two players every season to make us better. You know, and then people at the time might have looked at decisions of bringing in the likes of Jim Lachlan. Jim was maybe 33 or 34 at the time. But the, the professionalism that Jim brought to the team with the, the way he looked after himself, the way he behaved as a professional on a daily basis, and then obviously Joseph coming in as well, the impact that the two of them top professionals is the only way I could refer to them as the impact they had on the rest of the team, which were younger, younger players, mid, mid twenties that had been basically having a jolly up for the last couple of seasons. How big an influence was Joey? Ah, the biggest, the biggest, there's no, there's no words to describe what Joe had done for me personally, um, for us as a team and, and for the club as well. He's a, nobody will ever come close to, to Joe as a, as a player and the impact he had on, on, on football and Sligo, I'm sure. I tell you, I we, don't... We had him on... Sorry, Joe, we had him on a couple of weeks ago. He couldn't, he couldn't speak highly enough of you either, though. He was... I, he, but that, he I, I think... We, for success at, at your door. He was doing a lot of it at your door as well. But that, I think that's, that's Joe in a nutshell, though. He doesn't want to take any of the credit himself. But he, he made he made us all better. Um, he he made us all realise that we actually could be a good team. Um, and I suppose when you start winning games, you start to believe it that little bit more as well. And then it just becomes it becomes natural. And and if you were ever in trouble in a game, you just give the ball to Joe. <laughs> he he look after it for you. So um, no, I think. Like when Joseph came to the club first and he he trained on his own for a couple of days during the week. But no nobody ever cared because everybody knew the impact he had on the group on the weekend and you knew what he was going to do in the game that was that was basically gonna dominate a game for you and probably give you the opportunity to win the games. Um so yeah, he's probably been the best player I've played with in my career and, and definitely had the biggest the biggest impact on me as far as like resurrecting my career would go. And Richie, Joey talks about a game in against Bose. It's a league game though, as yeah. his moment of when he knew that team was was going to be something special. Yeah. You know, I think for us as fans, it's the semi-final against Bose. Yeah, I think that was the the more that was like the complete, the most complete performance I think Cookie's team ever had in in any game. Um, that was a clinic, that dominated, dominated the game from start to finish, um, and and that was against a, a top a top Bohemians team. Um, but that was that was towards the end of the season, and I I, I would say that that was the the icing on the cake. Um, we worked hard during the season to make sure we were able to to put out a, a performance like that. And Richie, I know you you said it to me personally as well. And just you you thought definitely we should have won a league when you were there. You were di- you were really disappointed. 2010 that we didn't win the league that year, wasn't it? Uh, 2011. 11, 11, I think it was. 11, yeah. we, we, we were close and then we ended up, I think we ended up losing 2-1 away to Pats, which put, put a gap in the 
between us and was it Sham, Sham Grovers or Pat, Pat? It might have been Pat's, I think, was it? Pat's one. No, yeah. no, Shams, wasn't it? Shams, was it? Um, yeah, I suppose maybe maybe I was being a bit greedy. Maybe maybe we weren't ready at the time, but I, I think we definitely had the quality. Yeah. And um, you know, we performed really well in 2010 and we performed really well in 2011. I, I just, I don't know, it's always something that will annoy me a little bit is that I, I didn't get the chance to win the league with, with Sligo. What do you think it was that we were missing that time? Was it just the squad depth? Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Because you, you look the, the year that Sligo won it. Um, you had Quig, Danny North up front. Yeah. You had you had a little bit more a little bit more strength in the in the depth of the squad. Um maybe we just weren't ready, Sean. You know, it, it takes time, it takes time to to build a successful team and Thankfully, the, the committee and the board and everything gave Cookie time. And come here, when it does come time to leave, you know, who comes calling first? Is, is it Dundee or is there other options? Yeah, the... no, I, had, I had a couple of options with, with Dundee United and um, Peterborough down in England. Peterborough wanted me to go on trial and I think at that time I was 27 years of age and I'm like, if you can't make a decision on a 27-year-old, then... Yeah. I'd rather go with somebody that, that's going to back me and, and make me a, a concrete offer. Or if nobody's going to give me a concrete offer, then I'll say it's Sligo. Um, and Dundee United had, had came in and made me an offer. So that was, the, yeah, that, that was the, the best option for me at the time. And tell us, I know personally for yourself, it's obviously the best option you made on a, on a personal level, I suppose. Yeah, you met yeah. Your wife and your kids and everything have come from there yeah. now, so... You know, it turned out yeah, to be an amazing okay. move. Professionally, how did you find it over there? Not, not, not great. Not great. It, the, I, I've said this a couple of times. The best thing to come out with Dundee was my wife. So, um, football wise, wasn't wasn't great. Um, I went there. Was there any particular reason that Richie? Or was it just one of them things? I don't know, Miguel, because I went there and I felt as though I was I was ready to get. We had we had a few Irish lads there: Willow Flood, Sean Dillon, John Daly, Gav Gunnan, and I, I fit in really well in the in the dressing room. And the manager didn't. He used to just keep bringing me on for the last 10, 15 minutes of games to and just to uh, take the sting out of the game, and just keep the ball for us. And like I, I I'd go on and I'd I'd do that as best as I could, and and we'd win the game or whatever. And then I'd be thinking, why don't you put me on from the first minute, and I can keep the ball for us and we can win the game. But it took him like four months before he started me in a game. And then I ended up starting the last few games of the season. And then I started the following season. And then he dropped me for the game out of the blue and said I was slowing the tempo of the game down too much for him. And I'm like, well, that's who I am. Like, I, you, you should know that when you sign me, that that's, that's one of my strengths is when to slow the game down or when to raise the tempo with, with playing forward or whatever. And we had, we had a couple couple of players that were very, a lot more energetic than than what I might look on the field. So they they tended to tended to play a little bit more than me. And then he got sacked. Jackie McNamara came in. I played a bit under him at the beginning. Then he went and signed one of his midfielders from a former club, and and that was that was writing on the wall for me, really. Do you think it's just Scottish football didn't suit your game as a whole, um, rather than? 
I think I think Magoo, I, I, I'm I'm one of them players that's I, I'm suited to certain to certain managers or, or certain coaches that believe in a, a style of play and, and they won't move away from their style of play because if they do move away from that style of play then I'm probably the player that's going to miss out because I'm not the best physical player or I'm not quick I'm not a box to box midfielder I haven't got them attributes um. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably be the one to miss out if if the manager moves away from that certain style of play. It must be frustrating though, Richie, because you've talked now about two managers and Steve Evans now and at Dundee as well. They're like these these managers are bringing you into the club. They know your style of play. It's you, all you have to do is watch you play once, and you know exactly how you play. And then to turn around and tell you that style of play is and what they're looking for. Like, yeah, it's, well, it's a slap in the face, really. It is, and. I, I wish I wish somebody would have been honest enough to say to me that style of play is not what we want. But it's like making an excuse when I can see through it. I, I know why I'm not in the team or I know I'm, why I'm being taken out of the team, but you're the one that signed me. So do your homework on me before you sign me. Um, but I suppose it's part of football as well, Sean. And, and especially back home, there's a, there's a lot of pressure on managers. Yeah. With, with Especially... Dundee United's a big club. Um, if they lose games, he loses his job. Or if they lose games, they get relegated. And no, I, I believe that a manager has to be really, really has to really believe in his style of play and his philosophy to stick to it and not move away from it. Um, I think you see a lot of a lot of coaches and managers move away from their style of play when when results go wrong. And in terms of the standard then, Richie, did you find much of a, a jump up or was it kind of a sideways step in, from the League of Ireland to the SPL? So, there wasn't that much of a step up I didn't feel, Sean. I, I think the top of the SPL, the top five, six teams in the SPL was, was, a, was a, a higher standard. But the, the, lower, the lower down the SPL you went, I would say the, the standard was quite similar to the top, the top of the the top of the League of Ireland. And what was it like then to play in Celtic Park and Ibrox and that was... I, that, that, that's what that's why they went there. Like I, I went there for them experiences to go and play against Celtic and Celtic Park and, and have 40, 45,000 people there and them all chanting songs from, from back home or whatever. And They're great experiences that I, I wish I could have had more of. Yeah. But I, I was happy just to experience them once or twice and then I suppose you know you say football's a funny old game in terms of in terms of transfers and stuff like how does the move to Ottawa come about because yeah just I, I knew the writing was on the wall at Dundee United and I was just sitting in the garden one day thinking what's next and I'd obviously I'd played in Ireland played in Scotland played in England played in Belgium and um, 2011, before we played the, or when we were playing the cup final, I had the opportunity to to be in Dallas with FC Dallas to go and train with them for a week. But we ended up winning the semi final and making it to the final, and that was their last week of training with the MLS. So that that didn't work out timing wise, and but from then it was it was sort of in the back of my mind that I wouldn't mind trying to come to North America to play and, and see what it's like over here. Um, 
So yeah, I just got in touch with a, an agency on on Twitter when I was leaving Dundee United, and it just came around like that within a couple of days. He said, "Look, I've got a manager that wants to speak to you. There's a new club starting in Canada in Ottawa, um, and he's he's seen video of you, and he's he wants to have a conversation." So that was that was put in place within a few days, um, but I had to wait until the following until the following February to to go. Yeah, we, I, was, I was kind of hoping to scan over where you go in the main. We, we, can, we can scan over it. We can scan over it. No. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, how, how was that, though, to play for them? To play for Shams? I don't know what, like, I know there's a big rivalry between the two clubs, but they're also, they're also a huge club. Um, and in the, in the back of my mind, I'd, I, I'd been to Sligo and I'd done what I'd done at Sligo. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back there and and not do as well as what I'd done in 2010, 2011, especially. Uh, and then for it to like, oh, he's not the same player as he was back then or whatever. So I just thought, look, I'll have a new challenge for a few months. Go there, play a Shamrock Rovers, and and see see what comes of it there. And in in the back of my mind, I knew I was I I knew I was moving to to Canada at the beginning of 2014 anyway. So it was um, it, it was nice to go there and play for six months and, and experience playing for another club. And what was it like then when you finally made the move over to Canada? Yeah, well, mad. mad yeah, yeah, like on a personal level and professional, like it's a massive move. Yeah, well, me and the missus, we, we didn't really look into it too much, to be honest, Sean. It was just like, let's go and see what it's like and experience life somewhere else if it doesn't work out we'll come back home after a year and we'll go back and play in Ireland or we'll go back to Scotland and play over there or whatever um, so we didn't look into it too much and we just said right let's go um, and then we we landed on the runway in Ottawa, Ottawa airport and there was about six feet of snow on either side of us and we're just like oh, no, what, what have we just done here <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was, uh, that, was a, that was a strange feeling and we got picked up then we got dropped off at our, our apartment and there was no no internet around in the apartment at the time. And like honestly, there was like three feet of snow outside. And we had no car or nothing to get anywhere. <laughs> so the next morning we woke up and we were just walking through the snow. No idea where we were going. We ended up finding a bus station so we could get uh, so we could get some Wi-Fi on our phones. So I could actually call the call the kit man. To say here, you need to come and sort this out here. You need to come and get some internet in the apartment or take us to the shop so we can get some food and stuff. <laughs> so um yeah, I wasn't sure how the missus was gonna enjoy it from that worst or from the first experience. But um no, we settled in really well once once we got to know everybody and we got a car and stuff to get around and it was a, it was a great place to live in Ottawa and uh, the football club itself was was huge. Um, a big success, huge stadium. Um, we pumped a lot of money into it to to make it as ni- as nice as possible for for everybody involved with it. So it was a it was a good experience. They seemed to be a very ambitious club, all right, Reggie. You know there was there was a lot of hype around them at the time, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, Sean. Um, they they had the the CFL, the Canadian American Canadian American football team. Um, that was part of the organisation as well. So the stadium was was huge, and they built up like all around the stadium. They had like restaurants, coffee shops, bars, 
Um, so it was it was a very vibrant place. Um, and they, they like I said, they, they pumped a lot of money into it to make it a an attractive an attractive area of the city. And then they they looked after the players really well. So we, we didn't have anything to complain about. You've ended up getting many at the games. We used to get about six thousand to go. Six thousand. So the state look six thousand in a in a twenty four thousand seater stadium doesn't seem like much, but um football's a it's only a growing sport in North America, so I, six thousand was quite a lot at that time. Uh, Richie, you ended up kind of doing a wee bit of a tour, so you have no. <laughs> just, just a small tour, Sean. Yeah, just a small <laughs> tour. But there's just one I want to touch on in particular is you got the opportunity to play under Nesta. Uh huh. What was that like? Because like, you're talking about one of the greatest defenders to ever played a game. Like, yeah, um, mental actually. Uh, coming towards the end of the season, 2015, there was a, a player that played with me in Ottawa um, and he'd played with Nesta in the MLS in Montreal. And then it was announced that um, my, our, Miami had got a team in the NASL and he, he laughed and he was like, I bet, I bet you anything, Nesta is going to get that job. And I remember that conversation with, with Sinisha and then like six, six months later, I was signing for him. And I, this this is gone this is gone quick because I just signed for Jacksonville at the time and then we're yeah. five games five games into the season and I got a phone call from one of my ex teammates who'd signed for Miami saying look Nesta's been asking me about you he's interested and I'm like nah not going to happen and then the Jacksonville manager and the the technical director came around to the house one evening and said look like we're we're willing to let you go to Miami if you want to go. So I, I turned up there the next day and he was standing in the car park to greet me with smoking a fag. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, that, that was the first impression of him. He was just standing there smoking a fag. And, cool as ice. Yeah, very, uh, very humble person. Brilliant. Brilliant person. Nice fella. Um, never never spoke too much about his career unless, unless any lads asked him any questions about when he was playing or Champions Leagues or World Cups or whatever, and then he'd have a conversation about them. But he, he was a uh, very humble, never never spoke about everything he'd done in the game because he he'd won literally everything he could win in the game. So, um, and then as a coach, a madman, like, really, absolute lunatic. Like the night you walk out to the training pitch, he'd be smoking a flag walking out. Then he put his put his box of cigarettes. In the in the bench that would be on the side of the field, and literally from when he put his cigarettes away to when he picked his cigarettes up again after training, it was just a lunatic. <laughs> and it, like when you think about him as a player, like he was the most calm, collected centre half you come across. Like he was uh, asleep on the pitch pitch half the time. Like I think it was because he probably looked at us and thought, "Wow, these boys are just so average." <laughs> And it used to just drive him mad <laughs> that we weren't as good as what the players he's played with his whole career. And I think like he was very demanding. And like for for some players, they can accept that. They can accept that and they, they can raise their levels. But for some players, they just go into a shell if the manager's screaming and shouting or whatever. Um so I, I in the second season in Miami, he, he was a lot more he was a lot more calm because he brought in a few more players that, that made the team better. So we were winning every week. So he was a bit more relaxed. 
And Richie, do you think as a manager, was he actually good tactically and very good? Switched on and stuff. It wasn't just yeah. he wasn't just living off his reputation. No, no, he, he was he was one of the best I've seen, Sean, by by far. Um, tactically, so tuned into the game, um, and he he would go over everything in training and keep going over it until it was perfected. And we'd be like, oh, is he is he going to blow the whistle? Or are we going to finish or what? Like it's thirty two degrees, humid, and he'd be out there for two and a half hours on the training pitch. He doesn't but realize he, you're he, from temporary, like I he could realize my face is just turned into a tomato. Um, <laughs> he um but he would just keep going and going and but then we'd go into the game on the weekend and these things would happen in the game and they'd just come natural to us and they'd work and they'd create chances for us and create goals and they'd win games for us. And we'd be like, ah, that's why that's why you put so much emphasis on it during the week. And even as a player, I suppose you're just thinking, there's the fruits of the labour right there. Like, that's... Well, that, that's, that's what it, like, he, He's worked under some of the top coaches as well. So I'm sure he's learned from, from quite a few of them what's the, what's the right and wrong way to do things. Now, come here, fast forward now. You're in El Paso. How are you finding it? Hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's just starting to heat up nicely, Sean. It's, uh, I think it's 30, 34 today. A nice afternoon in the house. Jeez. It's a far cry from that over here, anyway, Richie. As you know, <laughs> um, I know it, it's a it's a unique place, Sean. When when we came here, we were a little bit taken back by how different it is to other other cities we've been in in North America. But after a couple of months, we we settled in really well, and I think it's just, it's the same as anywhere. You you find your home comforts, don't you? And you, you tend to find a routine and you go to certain places that you enjoy going to, going to and you just stick to it and that's what we've done and now we're in our this is our third third season here at the moment so and what's the plan go on sorry Miguel. no I was just going to say with, with the whole North American experience be something you'd recommend to young lads in this country rather than heading off to League 1 or League 2 in England or to the Championship in Scotland or whatever I think so Miguel. I, I think so. Um, there's huge opportunities for players over here. There, there's so many, so many clubs. There's obviously the MLS, the USL, USL League One, um, and there's so many clubs and opportunities. And each year, there's new clubs coming in, new stadiums, new training grounds. There's a lot of money being invested into the game. Um, and for me, for me, and my wife when we were coming over, it was just. A chance to go and to go and see the world really and go see a different part of the world and, and use football as an opportunity to go and do that. Um it, it, there's definitely there's definitely doors open for players to come across from, from Ireland. Um there's there's been a number of players that have come over in the last six or seven years that I've been over here that have that have done really well in the in the leagues. And the quality of life must be great too, isn't it? It is. It's nice. Like, the way I look at it, we get a chance to fly to, now we're on the west west coast, um, chance to fly to San Diego, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, um, Phoenix, Salt Lake City, Colorado, um, places that you'd never, places that you'd never see before. Yeah. 
and, yeah. and that's that's the way I look at it. And we go there for a couple of days. You might get a chance to go out and have a look around the city or whatever. Um, and it's, good. it's just a life experience as well. And so, what's the what's the next move? <laughs> Retirement, Retirement, Sean. <laughs> Is are you gonna are you gonna call it a day playing over there, Richie? Or ah, uh, yeah. No, nobody, nobody take me anywhere else now. I'm 36, like so. Because um, I, I watch the, I watch or keep an eye on the League of Ireland and the League of Ireland's a, a lot, a lot of a younger league now than than what it was when I was in it. Uh, which is which is credit to the to the clubs around the country that they're producing young players that are able to play at the level. Um, but I think yeah, for, for me, El Paso will be the last stop playing wise. I think. And what's next on the agenda for Richie Ryan? Whatever, whoever's stupid enough to give me a coach's job, probably. <laughs> <laughs> will you stay? In, will you stay in North America, or, or have you and I coming home already? I don't know, Miguel. It, it, it's a question that a lot of people have asked. Have asked us, like my own family have asked as well, and I don't know. Um, it, it really just depends on depends on when I retire, and uh, whether it's this year or I'll play again for another year. Um, and then just depends on the opportunities, whether they're in North America or or closer to home. And uh, when I, when I move into the coaching side of things. And Richie, for the family and that, would they prefer to stay over there, or like are your kids getting settled in schools and stuff like that? You know, it's yeah. I think it's hard to be. It's become home for us now, Sean. Yeah. Um. You know, we've we've done a lot of moving around, but. I think we start at the moment. We start to see America as home, um, and at at the moment, our, the kids are six and three. Our little girl is in is in full time school, so she's quite happy here in El Paso. And at some stage, I have to I have to change my mind towards the family and what's best for what's best for them. Let's, Richie. I think that's the perfect place to leave it at that. Just just one more before you go, Richie. Just yeah. have a listen to you speak for the last. 30 or 40 minutes and all the experiences you went through as well, especially in, since you went over to North America side of things. Do you ever look back at that stint in Sunderland with a bit of, a slight bit of bitterness or regret over that injury or? I, I, I look just, back, I look back with, I suppose, a tint of regret because I, I, I made some, I made some silly mistakes. Um, and I think if, if kids are looked after and and have people around them at the time. Like I, I was 18, 19 years of age living on my own, Miguel. And my family were back in Ireland. You know, I didn't I didn't have the network around me at that time to to say, no, you're making the wrong decisions. And I, I think if if kids have that around them, then you know, I'm pretty sure my dad or my mum would have would have given me a little slap around the ear and said, No, you, you need to get your head back on here. Um but it is what it is. I, I, I think I, I learned a lot from it, uh, as 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 I did with the with the conversation I had with Dermot Kelly, in, in at the end of two thousand and nine. Um, you know, we all we all make mistakes, but the most important thing about making mistakes is that you you realise it and you learn from it. I tell you, I think yeah. from a Sligo Rovers fan point of view, anyway, we're all happy it went that way. <laughs> you ended up yeah. playing here because hundred <laughs> percent. You're definitely you're definitely one of the best we've seen pull on the jersey anyway. There's no two ways. I, I appreciate that. It was it was some great memories, probably 
some some of the better memories I've had in my career. The the, the ones I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> the ones you can't remember were better. <laughs> yeah, we have to look back on pictures, look back on pictures for them again. <laughs> Richie, you've been an absolute gentleman. Thanks a million for joining us this evening. Thanks very much, lads. Thanks for having me. That's Richie Ryan on the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast brought to you by the White Hag. I'm on my second can of White Hag as we record. Drinking uh, <laughs> the New World Pale Ale, Ninth Wave, uh, 5.4% in a 330ml can. Beauty. Um, okay, so uh, that's, uh, that's Richie Ryan. Great conversation. Great chat with him. Um, he's had an incredible career, Sean, hasn't he? Brilliant career. You know, he speaks very honestly about it. You know, it's very interesting to listen to him talk about his career. So it is, you know, there's been a few lows, but going by him, it seems like a lot more highs. And he's carved out a, a huge career in yeah. America and became a star over there, really. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the main guys um, in um, in the States over there. Um, okay, so we're going to have a chat about um, the... Uh, Europa Conference League uh, before we finish up um, but uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll just have a chat about uh, the game on Friday, the last game before the break um, it is at away to Harps and it's the early kickoff uh, at a quarter to six so um, Magoo, is this another opportunity to um, to play more in the midfield with uh, Lewis Banks, or are you looking for a strong starting eleven again? Oh, strong starting eleven. Same, same ones that started the other night, in my opinion. Um, going into the break, finish on a high, finish on a yeah, yeah, finish on a high before. Like let's you know go into the break top. Like I know Jerry said, it's only it's only one weekend, it's only two weeks altogether. But just to be sitting there over the little break would be nice, wouldn't it? So go up to your luck, it'll be tough. You know, going to Harps at the best of times is always tough, no matter where they are in the league and stuff like that. So, um, but they're they're going well as well themselves. Like, and it's it's Valley Buffet. Like, it's always it's always a tough place to go, and you don't you Shy don't get pitch. nothing easy up there. Like, so you have to be up for the fight. Yeah, I well, I don't know what the pitch is like at the minute, but hopefully a bit of good weather will will um, have it not too bad of a condition for us. But um, look, you have to be up for the fight and. First and foremost, that I think we will be like. There's, I don't think there's any. I don't think there'll be any um, doubt about that with the characters that are in the team at the minute. So, yeah. Hopefully, just sneak even sneaking one nil or whatever would be happy days out the gap. Yeah, do you think? Do you think their form has been good recently? They've, they've obviously bet the bet Waterford their um, last came back from a goal down, but aside from that, patchy pick up a point here and there. You know. I would say, but in comparison to other seasons where they'll be scrapping around right. and relegations yeah. and right, that, right. but you'd, you'd still go up there and you'd, you'd still be given a tough game and, and never get anything handy. Like, so yeah. Uh, Sean, another opportunity for, for Ryan DeVries to, to get more minutes on the on the clock? Yeah, it could be a, actually be a good game to bring him into. I think his strength, his physicality would be a big asset in that kind of game. Um, tight wee pitch as well, you know. He can hold the ball into him, you know, very good close control, you know, keep playing nice and short and tidy. But yeah, he'd be, he'd be a good one. I'd actually, Kenny would be a good one as well, you know, if he can get any space in behind the tall, you know, to run in behind, I think that'd be a, that'd be a big option for us. So I, I, Buckley, I don't think, he, as good as it was the last night, I don't, I don't think you'll actually see the same starting 11 as you saw against Shams. I think he will make one or two changes. 
Connor's on mute. He is talking people, but he's on speechless. Mute. We're speechless after that, Sean. Sorry, I was, <laughs> uh, Gary. I was, I was. Well, I, well, I had myself muted. I was asking them, um, "What are you looking for, for for the game? Is it an opportunity to? Who are Shams playing? I think Shams are playing Longford. Um, mm. So it is really an opportunity. I think Magoo's right. You want to, you want to go into the break with a win. Yeah. So I think it was the season before last um, that we played. Uh, Finn Harps away um, the game before the, the the season break exact same scenario um, and at that point we were actually travelling well at the time uh, Romeo was in good form um, and I think we were I think we were beaten up there uh, if my memory serves me correct and it just felt like the players were on holidays already um, but I don't think this. I think the look the the mentality in the squad is straight ahead of where we were then. Um, so I don't expect to see anything other than, you know, look, you have to give a blood and guts when you go up there, don't you? Everybody knows that. And if you don't know that, you shouldn't be playing football. So, um, no, I like, and I think there will be changes in the team as well. I agree with your yourself and, and the lads there. Um, I think you could see Ryan race coming in and um, shooting down to the ground. Uh, same with Johnny as well. That's... Uh, you know that little bit of—I know it's a tight pitch and all that—but if he, if he gets a bit of space and he can pull away from players, he, he definitely, he'll definitely score goals for us uh, um, there. So yeah, I, I'd be fairly confident going into it. Are you playing Bulger? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. You need Bulger Moran in the middle. Yeah, I think I think Bulger. Look, we nearly the first name on this the team sheet for a game against the likes of Shams. Um, and again, going back to a point that we made umpteen times is that. Probably the last time the game I, I was just talking about there, we probably didn't have someone like Bulger, where he'll give us someone a kick up the hole, one of our own players, that is, if if he's not at it. And uh, that that's, that's you know, that's such a, a great thing to have, yeah. a kick up the hole. Uh, pa- Pats are hoping to go up and, um, and uh, Shams are away to Longford. So you'd anticipate... Um, you know, anticipate uh, Shams will keep the pressure on us at this stage. <laughs> yeah. Top of the table. Um, so I that's an they... awkward game for them. Do you think so? Longford. Uh, yeah, they're away from home, aren't they? Yeah, they are away bad. from home, yeah. And, yeah. But like, uh, and, be... and they're shite. Uh, well, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with Sean. I'd agree with Sean. Yeah. With her, off the back of, at the back of two defeats, like it's, they're on a hiding to nothing down there. They're expected to hammer them. So yeah, if you're there, it's those four in the first half. Things could get a bit, bit well, I, think, for them. I think if you're Darren Doyle, you're thinking there's an opportunity here. Ah, yeah. Don't talk about them, you know. Yeah. But it's still, it it's just, still be a huge shock. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think Shams will lose the game, oh, but he? I think they could drop points. Like, let's be honest, they weren't exactly firing in all cylinders against us. They weren't a massive goal threat. So, yeah. yeah. But you just couldn't see them losing three games in the bounce, could you? No, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think. I think yeah. just draw. Maybe. Listen, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised there. if there's a draw down there. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, I, I never went. So, I never felt so confident going into a game in Tala. I had Rovers back to win two 0 Um I just. I was. You know. So listen. I think they're in a very bad place at the moment because of. Yeah. Um, because of. I think it. It depends. Who the, it depends if if they have the likes of Joey Bryan back and if McCann is fit to start and you know they're lads who who battle for them and who yeah. are, who are a better leadership about them. Yeah, yeah. If they're missing, yeah. like the rest of them, like Scales and Grace, Andrew, Aaron Green, they're all snowflakes. Like they have no <laughs> time. Like Longford will be kicking the shit at them, and they won't want to know about it. Yeah. So 
Hope to God O'Brien and McCann are in the <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, we're going to give away a case of uh, the White Hag after the Finn Harps game. Uh, we did this for the Longford game, I think. And um, all we asked you to do for your chance to be in with a shout of winning a uh, case of a White Hag beer is to predict the score for the Finn Harps Sligo Rovers game. Uh, Jerry was administering the administer for this. And um, so, what we're asking you to do is to use the hashtag. Uh, beer scorecast isn't that right on twitter and um you can obviously tag the trust and uh tag the white hag and give us your prediction for for the game uh is that that's it jerry that's um that's that's yeah. what to do yeah yeah it worked really really well the last day and it was like it was a great bit of great bit of fun as well and it added just an extra dimension to the game yeah and um, so yeah it was good it was good crap Okay, so um, get your get your um, beer scorecast in for the Finn Harps Lego Rovers game uh, ahead of Friday, and um, you'll announce the winner will be announced on the aftermatch reception on YouTube, um, yeah. post match. So, uh, anything else to touch on on uh, the Harps the Harps game before we move on? I don't think so. Uh, it's going look. It's going to be a tough game. Um, the, as Sean said, they've been patchy, haven't they? Um, they they. Yeah, and Foley is still scoring goals in fairness to him yeah. Um, yeah. and when he's not scoring goals he's, he's involved in goals and he's going to break he's going to hit double figures which I said at the start of the season he's yeah. not going to do so fair play to him like you know um, yeah yeah yeah. So, so yeah so okay listen before we finish up we're going to have a conversation or a quick chat around um, the um, the Europa Conference League uh, which is the European competition the Saga Rovers have qualified for, for this season uh, I think we are around three weeks away from the draw and um um, there's more and more teams um, have been confirmed in the competition as other leagues around Europe finish up. Um, so um, there was a bit of a debate, I think, over the last, uh, maybe today, really, on a Wednesday, about um, money and what um, teams can expect to get for entering the competition. Um, but, Jerry, you've, you've um, seen one or two um, reputable uh, accounts and people who are involved in Irish football um, who have kind of confirmed, am I right in saying that we're going to get everybody who qualifies for the competition, is that, is it, do they get 150 or 100,000? What do we think there? So you get 100,000 uh, euro qualifying uh, bonus and you get 150,000 appearance. So, um, yeah, so John O'Connor tweeted, uh, I know there was a tweet going around there uh, saying that it was 150,000 for uh, the first round. There is 150,000, but there's also 100,000 qualifying bonus on top of that. Okay. According to John, John would have been the treasurer of Bohemians, uh, I think, like up until the last 12 months. Um, and John is his finger on the pulse. He knows what he's talking about. Um, he's very reliable in, in terms of that. So I tend to go with what John is saying. Um, yeah. So yeah, okay. that looks good. Um, so that is good. Um, there was a kind of a fear. The, the rumor was that you could end up in this competition, and your cost to play your initial game might yeah. be greater than what you get back in in money from from UEFA. But I, I mean, if you're chartering a flight, it's not going to cost you one hundred and fifty or two hundred and fifty thousand. You know, so we're we're taking them. Um, we're coming back with a we're coming back with money in the pocket. I suppose is what we're saying. But and the other thing then in relation to, we think I don't know if you, if anybody confirm can confirm this one way or the other. But we think the initial round, the initial qualifying round, our initial rounds maybe will be regionally based. Jeremy, I don't know yeah. if you if you want to come in on that or. 
Yeah, so every year they say it's not going to be regionally based. And then on the, the day of the draw, it's yeah. still not officially announced that it's regionally based, but it always comes out more often than not regionally based. Okay. So you'd be hoping to get... Now, look, regionally based is like kind of split north into south with a line going across. So it doesn't mean that you still can't get a team from Azerbaijan. It's yeah. like a straight line that goes across. It doesn't go into quarters or anything like that. <laughs> so you can still get a fairly fairly long trip, but right, it just okay. narrows the odds of, of that happening. Okay. Uh, just on this, a good person to follow, a good Rover supporter to follow on Twitter um, is Eamon Kelly, and he's been posting a bit over the last number of days about it. And yeah. uh, Eamon has posted uh, to Twitter, and he's at Eamon Kelly, uh, Eamon with one N, um, a list of, so he kind of confirmed last night that, the, that a lot of the teams have been named in the competition for the initial qualifying round. Uh, Rovers are officially an unseeded club in the competition, and um, Bohemians are also unseeded, and um, who else have we got? What other Irish clubs? They're, they're the only two Irish uh, unseeded Irish clubs. Up the north, we have uh, Glentorn, who are an unseeded team. Uh, you can't play a team from your own country in uh, the qualifying round or your own uh, league um, in the qualifying round. So the seeded teams, Dundalk happened to be a seeded team. And Cole, who do we say from the north were, uh, uh, sorry, who did we say from the north were a seeded team? Where are we? Colorado. Well, right. Rainer, a team, uh, like you're looking at the seeded teams come from Hungary, Poland, um, Israel, Faroe, Luxembourg, Bosnia. So, uh, also the new Saints are somebody that we could be drawn against who we want to avoid uh, playing. And, um, Jerry, you've got some dates in relation to when games might be played in this competition, yeah. Um, so starting obviously with the, the first round, so the first round draws on the 15th of June, uh, with the first leg of the first round been on the 8th of July. So it gives us three weeks uh, or even possibly four weeks to prepare for an away game, which is on the 15th of July. So interestingly enough, the second round draw is the day after the first round draw. It's on the 16th of June. Yeah. Uh, and the, sec- the first leg of the second round is on the 22nd of July. So what I would be hoping for is that we could get, look, we know there's going to be no handy draws really as such but it wouldn't it be great if we could get through the first round and I think it really gives fans a massive opportunity to plan to go to the second leg because you've got from the 16th of June to the 22nd of July at least to plan get whatever you need to get in order to get to that game and it could even possibly be the 29th of July so that gives us ample opportunity also, the government are saying that come mid-July that we should be able to travel uh, pretty freely within the European Union. So that's, I'm to answer your first and second question, I'm hoping that we maybe we might get Coleraine um, in the first round and uh, maybe, you know, some glamour tie in the second. It's the shorts and the passports. You know, I was in Northern Ireland today and the the pubs are open up there. Yeah. I was in Garrison and the pub was open in Garrison. Wonder you're still flat out in the white hag tonight. (laughs) Well, listen, um, yeah, I mean, the idea of getting away to a European game. Um, you know, we were so excited after the, the win and draw to, to get us into Europe. And then it looked like, you know, we weren't going to be able to travel. So, you know, really to get away to a European game would be would be incredible. And if it was achievable, and like, you know, if it all worked out nicely, you got a handy, quote unquote, first round draw. 
uh, which was which maybe was on the island of Ireland, um, it would set us up nicely. Yeah, set us up nicely. Um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose Coleraine is is a, a perfect world uh, for the first round, is it? Or that, that's a bit of, that could be a sticky time as well, though. No, I don't know. What do you think, lads? Uh, you'd be expected to be Coleraine. Yeah, yeah. I I watch a, a fair bit of Northern football, like you know, um, on, any dude. live game at all. I I I know I'm a bit of a. <laughs> A nerd, but any live game at all, whether it be on Sky or BBC, I'd watch. And lads, I'm telling you, this our, our team would absolutely wipe the floor with any of them. Yeah. I'd have absolutely no fear whatsoever. And it's really poor. Yeah, that that'd be the dream. That would, like what I just said there. That'd be the dream. Uh, you know, uh, look, you could still mess it up, but it's giving you the best pop- possible opportunity from a club to make money, and also from a supporter's point of view to try and get away. Yeah. We deserve it. I think uh, I think just to f- just to finish up, you know, in relation to um, you know the important uh, price of a pint, you know, we don't want to be in Finland, you yeah. know, Latvia, Latvia, Lithuania. We don't want to be in Luxembourg. We don't want to be in Israel. You know, there's a couple of uh, you know Poland sounds good. You know, <laughs> so there's 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 some um, there's some good destinations there. Uh, pint of pint, pint wise. Okay, I think um, I think we're done. Uh, top we're, of- we're facing. We're basing all our decisions on who we want to pay on the price of pint in the said country, yes? For the second and third rounds, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> pint would be an objection if we get an English or a Welsh side or something like that. Oh, yeah. oh no, Wales would be great crack, wouldn't it? Price yeah. of a pint is expensive. Yeah, but you know, you, you know, I'm sure we would um, we'd, uh, sniff out some, some fine uh, establishments to... Uh, there's actually a, there's a dodgy looking camper van parked outside the outside the showgrounds the last few days. <laughs> Might be at the bar or that. I know whose camper van that is. Uh, if, if, if whoever owns that camper van is listening to the podcast, Jerry's only joking. <laughs> you, they're not. <laughs> oh, no, can we can we borrow can we borrow it? Can we borrow it? Yeah, that's more like it. That's more like it. Right. Okay. On that note, um, as we um, we fit we. Uh, we look down from the top of the league. Uh, here's to another three points up in uh, Donegal that will tie us over um, into uh, through the, the mid-season break. Um, Jerry, thanks a million. Cheers, Connor. Magoo, thanks a million. Thanks, Connor. Cheers, boys. Donner, here's to another six points. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for sponsors to my tag. And thanks to, um, thanks to everyone for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, uh, tell your friends, like and share, and um, and also thanks to Barry Creed, uh, our um, our other uh, sponsor, Barry Creed Solicitors in Dublin and Sligo. If you like the podcast, like, share, and uh, and uh, let people know. All right, that'll do. That's a wrap. We'll never forget this day.